Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's installment of Small Town Radio. I am your host, Maxim, and today I am joined by my lovely, talented co-host, who's very mysterious, and his name is Redacted. Actually, today I have a new name. You have a new name? Oh. I do. The Knights from the Canterbury Tales. Ugh. Ugh. Happy Father's Day, Mr. Dad Joke. Uh, um, Maxim pointed out to me last week after the Canterbury Tales reference that no one knew the Canterbury Tales, despite our good friend Jack Swimer saying that he always makes a joke about the Canterbury Tales when he drives through Canterbury, New Hampshire. So uh, I said to Maxim, well, that means I'm going to be making a running joke about the Canterbury Tales for the foreseeable future. So welcome. Oh, oh God. It never ends. It never ends, you guys. You can refer to me as the night or the day. Whatever. Stop. Stop it. Shout out to Jack Swimer again. Thank you for listening. We love you, um, but I don't like that you encourage Connor so much. Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think the consensus is that these running jokes are specifically for runners people that ran at pinkerton academy along with me so oh god running jokes for runners mm-hmm. <laughs> really taking them the distance social distance wow combo oh man it's been uh another week in paradise <laughs> If you mean paradise, when you say paradise, do you mean your bedroom? Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking about yesterday? I was I was like, you remember toilet paper quarantine? Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm I got a joke about that. And I'm sad that it's gonna come to an end, but that's the way jokes go. Yep. They have a limited lifespan unless you know, they're running and go the distance. Yeah, that's why. Why do you think I have running jokes? Was that, <laughs> was that have... a cake reference? We're going the distance. We're going for speed. He's oh, okay. all alone. All alone. Yeah. <laughs> also, is that a running joke where I sing in every song, every every episode now? Pretty much. Pretty um, much. Do, we need to, do I need to say the correction up top? I don't know what the correction is. Uh, when I said these little kids saying some oh. disturbing lyrics. No, yeah, at the end of last week's episode, there was a little snippet of Connor singing after the post credits from our pre-show recording session. So you can oh, correct okay. the thing that's technically an Easter egg if you want. <laughs> was it? Was it? Um, did I did I make my comments about the song on the show, or was that only in the pre? That was in the pre. Okay. Well, then I then no one needs to know. Yep. <laughs> it's the outro music followed by you singing and then going, that's the dirtiest song <laughs> sung by children. And it's funny because I thought it was sung by children, and then you sent me the song, and I'm like, this is by grown women. However, it could be sung by children. Doesn't they sound like children, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that I feel like that was probably like a nineties pop song, right? Yeah, I'd say late 90s, early 2000s. I don't I don't have the information up in front of me, but I did see a hilarious, hilarious comedian in London 
do uh, a sort of strip tease to that song, which is fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. He brought someone on stage too. Ooh. And like, not a lap dance, but you know, close enough. It was very funny and it went over very well. <laughs> oh man, what, what was I going to do in this beginning part of the episode? Let me ask you a question. Really quick. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we should say where we're going. We're going to Brewster, Florida. Yes. Brewster, Florida. And that's a perfect segue for my question because I feel like Florida has a lot of these. Uh, do you have a song that you would would be your go-to stripping song? My go-to stripping song? You know, I really like Cake by Rihanna. That really? Song, that song is a banger. Um, what else? What else? I'm I have to one. Think. Okay. Mine would be um, I Want to Be Free by Sammy Davis Jr. I haven't heard that one. You should listen to it and then imagine it just it'll be in my set one day. I'll figure out the right way to, to plug that <laughs> in. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's like a when was it like, you know, Sammy Davis Jr.'s time period when he was singing. It's like almost like a big band type of feel. And it's like this really uplifting song um, where he just talks about like he can only he just wants to do whatever he can to be a free spirit. He doesn't want to be tied down. And I it's it's a song where you listen to it and go, no, no one would ever strip to this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the key with like a stripping song is it has to be something that everyone would probably enjoy regardless of what's happening. Yeah. Or something like I don't know. You could probably strip to a song that has a very knowable chorus or a song that is like easily sing alongable to, but I think that's missing the point. <laughs> yeah. I I just want to cross check the name of this song. I'll, I'll cross check it before the name of the episode. Let's just get, you know. I want to make sure I get all my references correct. I wasn't yeah. expecting to share what song I'd be stripping to with you all. <laughs> he doesn't have a name, but he got a beat and a booty. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah, we'll find it. We'll find it. Oh, oh, I was going to say I can pull it up on my phone, but due to technical difficulties, we are on my phone right now. Yeah, it's not like it makes that much of a difference, thankfully. No. Um well, uh, with next that episode, I'll be dialing into the podcast via payphone. <laughs> And we got every that, couple minutes you'll hear quarters hitting the thing. Yeah, we got the the family uh, the radio family radio pulled up where everyone gets their uh, set of headphones and you have to pass around to the family. Yep. I hope you're all enjoying your Monday afternoon on this lovely June day. I hope you're all gathered around the fi- the family talk box. Situated you ready for a fireside room. chat with our president? <laughs> Are you ready for a fireside chat about small towns? And uh, yeah, Trump just had his freaking Tulsa, Tulsa rally yesterday that totally flopped. He spent 14 minutes talking about the, the, the ramp he walked down, about how steep it was and how he's fine and that he's able to drink glasses of water. I'm like, that's ugh, what a circus we live in. He I just I yeah, I think um, I don't know. It's just sad that watching some of the highlights that he emboldens people who are clearly in the wrong and history will show that. And it's really frustrating. Yeah. Another day in America. Oh, 
I got the name of the song. It's Ooh. I Gotta Be Me, not I Gotta Be Free. That's a that's a um Queen's song. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta be I me. I wanna break free. Yeah. Yep. I gotta be okay. me. Okay. There you um, go. I'll look it up later and then decide if that's a strip-worthy song. Oh, <laughs> I want to play it now, but I don't understand all of the copyright issues. I'm, oh, no. If we play it, it'll just get taken down. Yeah. Well, some... Yeah. There's like a whole... Sometimes they catch it. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but it's never worth risking. There's a podcast I really love, and he he covers like terrible people. It's, it's behind the bastards. That's the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. He talks about terrible people, terrible corporations in history and modern day about like police and fascists and all these things, but he's like does really good research and he's very likable, very fun. But he did an episode about a very rich man who's a piece of shit, but this very rich man started a like folk band and the music is like kind of terrible. So he played it on the episode and I listened to the whole episode when it came out because I used to listen to it on my commute the day it would come out. And then the next day, the episode had evaporated. Mm. And everyone on the Reddit was like, what happened? They're like, oh, he played some copyrighted music and they probably got a cease and desist immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, well, our social media for this show. Oh, yeah. I was going to plug too. So good job. Go oh, we are ST Radio Pod on Instagram. Small Town Radio on Facebook. We are Small Town Radio Podcast on Gmail. If you want to send us your town suggestions, pictures, whatever of, uh, I guess we're looking for pictures. We're always looking for pictures for places we've been. Yeah. Um, we love our us. fan engagement. Yeah. I have a fan in my room, actually. It's quite, it's quite warm here. Yeah, I turned my uh, AC off to record so it doesn't pick up the... Uh, background noise yeah and um by the time we're done recording this is a sweat lodge (laughs) yeah i mean it like i said i have a fan in here and it doesn't help to have a second person in here but you know it is what it is yep uh also plugs i wanted to plug our friend andrew um in here i mean andrew clampert yep andrew clampert he has uh nothing to do with the podcast in particular um, but uh, he's a streamer uh, at Clampscast, K-A-K-L-A-M-P-S-C-A-S-T on Twitch. And he streams like Dark Souls and Sekiro and he's doing The Witcher right now. But he just completed his Dark Souls 3 no-hit run after like two months. So I like I wasn't able to watch it when it happened. But uh, I think it's a big, big deal for gaming. And uh, I want to give a congratulations. But if you guys are like us, you're kind of fact nerds, and you like learning about things. He has a channel on YouTube called Modern Day Math, and all he does is talk about history of famous mathematicians, which is pretty interesting. So go go check him out. Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was a show about making jokes about things that are one letter off. So I thought it was like a play, like obviously a wordplay thing where it's like, he, it's called modern day math, but it's actually the real name of it was modern day meth. And so oh. it's like all these things that are just one letter off the whole time. And he's like, you have to be really quick and tuned because uh, he's a funny comedian. This is why Connor did distance running and not the high jump, because that was a little bit too much of a reach for him. Oh, <laughs> I could yeah. sing. <laughs> Bazing. Bazingo. All right. 
And uh Bazinga was his name oh. <laughs> we uh we don't have an ad this week, so we're just gonna jump right into facts. So gather around, put on your headphones, grab your cup of tea and sit tight and get ready for this episode of Small Town Radio Podcast. Today we'll be going to NPR. Brought to you by uh, not NPR. Please don't send send me a cease and desist. I love you guys. Brought to you by Brewster, Florida. Booze. Howdy, y'all. Today we're going to Brewster, Florida. I wonder, well... It's interesting. Um, I don't know if that's the accent because it's not quite Probably panhandle, not. right? The location. I'll go through all that stuff here. Um, so if you have, if you if you think of Florida and the peninsula itself, uh, and you think of the central the central peninsula, uh, and then go slightly west of the center of it, that's that's kind of where Brewster is. Uh, and another way to think about it, if you know where Tampa is, it's about 40 miles inland east of Tampa and a little bit south. Population, though, population is three, according to the 2010 census. Very small. Very small. Great job finding another tiny place. I, um, yeah, I, I, I went through and just looked up smallest towns in each state and found ones with facts. Um, oh, and no, I mean, I I did so much research and I'm so proud of myself. I didn't take the easy way this time. <laughs> you really? Yeah, you no, you, you no. I literally pointed at a map and went, I, I used Google Maps and I zoomed in and I looked at each town to figure out how many people were about there all throughout the country. Alphabetically. Wow. And you so luckily Earth, boosters with a B. Count the cars. Count the cars. Try and count <laughs> the people. Um, dogs do not count, unfortunately. Or fortunately for some. We don't know who are, you know. You know what's messed up? If the United States had a pet census, people would be much more excited to fill that out than the real census. Yeah. That's, that is sad. Um, <laughs> plant census. Ooh, Ooh, I go- can tell them how many plants I have. <laughs> Do you want me to go over uh, all the background as well here? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. So uh, Brewster is a ghost town in southwest Polk County, Florida. Uh, All that other information. So, But it it is an elevation of 143 above sea level. Ooh. And has been uninhabited since the early 1960s. And as I said, the population is three, according to the 2010 census, which makes me confused and now better informed because I didn't know the word uninhabited meant three people. It's new information for me. They're all ghosts. It's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I actually did some further reading on this place on a website called like ghosttowns.com. Oh, wait. Is it the name of this place right here? Abandonedfl.com? I don't think so. It might oh. it might have been. But it's like a super old website, probably from like 2003. Let me see if I have it open on my tabs. And uh, ghosttowns.com slash state slash Florida slash Brewster dot HTML. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super, super shitty web page, but it has pictures <laughs> of it. It's very old. And I think this website is like a list of ghost towns and then people can post updates in there and like basically say what they saw there and if anything has changed. 
And everything in Brewster, like the updates were funny because it was like 2006. Oh, you can go there and see the old factory and the smokestacks and all this old stuff. 2008. I went there. They're building fences around all of it. And then it was like 2009. It was like everything is demolished. (laughs) Yeah, which is very... Well, that's something I want to touch upon later because I found that very interesting. Like I've... Yeah, it's... It's a very interesting point to bring up. Um, and it's actually something I'm really excited to you know, talk a bit more about. But do you mind if we go to the history first? Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, it's just because I like, I want to have time, like, build in that direction towards it because it's fascinating to actually, when you break it down. Um, do you want, well, I can share my, this is, this is straight from Wikipedia. So the village of Brewster was founded in 1910 and for decades flourished from phosphate mining. It was largely a company town for American cyanamid. Now, I thought it was cyanide for a long time. What was that? That's a company for the listeners. Yeah, yes. It is a, uh, the town had its own schools, movies, theater, a medical clinic, post office, which was established in 1913 and discontinued in 1961. And just to tack on on Wikipedia, they said, and a swimming pool. And a swimming pool. That's... I found that to be very interesting. They like went in order of importance. They were going up and up. They're like, we have a medical clinic. We have a post office, which is essential to like, you know, having a distinct town. And well, we got a swimming pool. <laughs> well, we had a swimming pool. <laughs> I had to guess if I had to guess it was above ground because we are in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if that was in the article. No, it was not above ground. <laughs> I clicked on the link to be like, is this a special swimming pool? And it wasn't. It was just like a pool is a place where you can go into some water and have some leisurely water activities. <laughs> I uh, I also like that the uh, it got me thinking about the post office, 1913 to 1961. Mm-hmm. I feel like for stamp collectors and like post office nerds, I imagine if a post office closes, getting a stamp or like a postmark from that place must be like a super cool collector's item. <laughs> I think um, those people's definitions of cool and my definition of cool are slightly different, but I respect it. <laughs> I think I think in that type of hobby, like the stamps themselves are not cool. What is cool is the little factoids attached to them. The story. It's a very existentialist view on collecting anything. <laughs> For example, I collect a lot of stickers. I have a very large box of stickers, but I don't just buy stickers in bulk just to have stickers. I buy stickers when there's like a story behind it or when I'm somewhere that I want to remember or like I'd like, I don't know, do something or like later down the road when I have a thousand Nalgene water bottles covered in stickers, I can point to any sticker and be like, this is the story behind that one. It's like tattoos, but without the commitment. (laughs) <laughs> I just collect other people's tattoos. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get up into this next fact here. Once again, straight from Wikipedia, this town did not have a lot of information. Yeah, it was... It, I found it interesting for the reason you brought up earlier about like the place actually being demolished, yeah. which is still something I want to build towards. But w- what did you find? So the village was officially closed down by the company in 1962. So basically this company had complete control over the town 
and the town was there because their the company's mine was there. So the the town wouldn't exist without this phosphate mining company. Um, so they they closed down the town in 1962 and they demolished quite a bit of it. But uh, according to Wikipedia, some abandoned buildings remain, including a smokestack, which rises prominently in the area as a landmark. And this one was a little funny at the end here. The deed to Brewster was turned over to the state of Florida in partial payment of a judgment against American cyanamid for environmental damages. So they were like, they closed the company down and they probably had like outstanding lawsuits and they were just like, okay, we're sorry about destroying the environment. Do you just want the town? <laughs> yeah. No, it was... How how far do you need to go to destroy a place for everyone, you know, to, to shut it down and then be like, eh, well, our only form of payment is this land we've already destroyed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Would you like a hole in the ground as yeah. payment? <laughs> what was interesting, what I read was the fact that when the town did decide to close down, the people who lived there were offered the opportunity to buy their house for a very cheap price. But the reason they built the town in the first place is because the mine was there and the closest populated place was pretty far away. So the town was like, well, let's just set up shop and have people move here. But that also meant in my mind that the company built free housing for their employees in like this free town, right? Isn't wouldn't that be what it is? If they especially if they offer to sell it to people after they were closing? I don't know. Not 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 in those days, definitely not. Like uh if you look into there there's lots of information about this, but there was like the way that um mining towns were run back mm-hmm. in the old days, a lot of times the company would build housing and build the town but then you had to use part of your wages to live there. So, uh, and a lot of times, very, I don't know about this so particular renting, case. it was renting, basically. Yeah, you're like renting it from the company. But in a lot of cases, these companies were very abusive and like exploitative of the people who worked in their mines. So they could keep people living in like extreme poverty and have them have no other choice but to live and work at this like company village. And that's... um. There was actually like an almost like a mini civil war in West Virginia in some of the mine towns where like all these predatory like mining companies set up these towns and exploited all these workers and like made them live in terrible conditions. So the mine workers went on strike and the mine companies hired mine guards like private security firms to basically make sure that the miners worked and it became like a standoff with like two armed sides like it's a big moment in like labor history, but mines and mining like and company towns are not historically known for giving people free housing. <laughs> yeah, and actually that dovetails into my next fact, which is actually backtracks a little bit because a, a company town is, and this is a definition in case you didn't get that lead in, a company town is a place where practically all stores and housings are owned by the company that is also the main employer. Company towns are often planned with a suite of amenities such as stores, houses of warships, schools, markets, and recreation facilities. They are usually bigger than a model village. And then Wikipedia went on to add, some company towns have the high have high ideals, but many have been regarded as controlling and or exploitive. And so it's it's interesting because you brought up the facts about like the t- the company not running all that well. Uh, obviously, they had environmental damages. They needed to sell the town. 
or get rid of the town via lawsuit, it seems like. Uh, but American Cyanamid, the company, was a leading American conglomerate, which became one of the nation's top 100 manufacturing companies during the 1970s and 1980s. And according to the Fortune 500 listings at the time, like it was, it was, you know, it was big, which means that um, they moved into Florida, did poorly, left, and then blew up. Like, pretty much. Yeah. Interestingly, though, they had a number of products. It was actually like a multi conglomerate company. Mm-hmm. And they did like supplements and like healthcare products and all that type of stuff. Um, but one of its products, and I don't know if it originated here or they had it in its portfolio at the time, at a point, was Old Spice. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's because the, their employees, the goblins, were so smelly. They're like, yeah, like you're going to need God, some yeah. deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine Old Spice was just salt and pepper that people rubbed on their bodies. <laughs> Old Spice is just white people seasoning. <laughs> it's olive oil, salt, and pepper you rub in your armpits. <laughs> mm, that's that's why some people really like the uh uh vinegar chips salt and vinegar oh, I chips i love vinegar chips They're just like oh it smells like old times oh like salt and pepper chips like kettle salt and pepper chips and then sea salt and vinegar are some of the best oh my yeah what's your favorite chip the micro chip oh okay. high five seriously though <laughs> favorite uh sour cream and onion or tortilla I like a plain tortilla chip because it I, usually means they're salsa. Oh, yeah. That's my thing. I, I just went to Trader Joe's yesterday and I bought three enormous bags of their yellow corn chips and then like five different types of salsa because I love salsa so much. And I, I actually last night I it was 11 p.m. and I was watching Bojack, Bojack Horseman. I'm like, I'm going to start one of these jars of salsa knowing that this is going to destroy my stomach in the morning when I wake up. I don't care. What a move. What a move. That's a power move. Well, here, here's, the, here's the interesting thing, right? So we have a company town. So the question is, what is this town? A company town or a ghost town? And a ghost town, by definition, is an abandoned village or city, usually one that contains substantial visible remaining buildings and infrastructure such as roads. And it's like much like the, the trace of um, salsa, it leaves something behind after we're done with it. <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. Um, but what's interesting, though, I, so I, I think I stumbled across the same website with, like, mm-hmm. updates. And there was, like, 2000, uh, early 2000s, they went, this, this dad and son went, and there was just the smokestack and fences around it. And it was interesting because the town seemed to demolish the housing and other facilities if people didn't decide to buy them after the company left. And so then in the update, it said they destroyed the smokestacks in, was it 2008? Which is really interesting because a ghost town is something with a lot of the buildings left over. And if there's nothing left in this town, then is it like, it's not a ghost town anymore, right? Unless that's what the ghosts want us to believe. <laughs> Welcome to Ghost Conspiracy Radio. It, it, it is really interesting, though, um, because I saw on one website that Brewster is a historical town. Like, that's how it was classified on this website, um, which means that, like, I don't know if it's, like, not a town anymore. I don't know, because it's. I'm guessing it's not... Um, 
it's not uh what is it um when you when a town has is owned um unincorporated it's not i'm guessing it's not incorporated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also what i'm really interested in and this could be fun to follow up on is will brewster be a registered place in the 2020 census like if there's knows, three people maybe. there yeah it's like why would they keep the town they could just count it as a cdp and those right. three people like i right i'm genuinely curious about that mm-hmm. i wonder we'll have to keep an eye on this one yeah <laughs> okay um i think we're uh getting short on time so i'm gonna run to our last fact here is it the same as i i assume we have it's the same the, one the, it's the only other the only fact, yes Connor. okay so this is the coolest thing about this place um john vincent atas atanasoff yep Though born in Hamilton, New York, grew up in Brewster. So this John guy, John Atanasoff, was a math and physics professor at Iowa State who created the first digital computer in the 1930s. With a so he was he was trying to solve dis- differential equations, and mechanical computers at the time re- relied on shafts and gears and mechanical computer shit. I'm so glad but, you're covering this because I have no. I, I I was reading this stuff and I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to explain any of this. <laughs> and basically, what happened is like machines at the time, the mechanical computers could not get to a certain level of um, precision because of manufacturing tol- tolerances and stuff. So he was the first one to be like, I'm going to try to make a digital solution, an electronic solution to this problem. So uh, he received a grant in September 1939 for $650. And uh, with his assistant graduate graduate student, Clifford Berry, they pioneered the Atanasoff Berry computer, otherwise known as the ABC which was prototyped in November of that year. So September to November, they get this thing working. 1942? Uh, 39. 39, okay. So according to Atanasoff, uh, hang on, sorry. Oh, uh, several operative principles of the ABCs, the ABC, were conceived by him during the winter of 1938 after a drive to Rock Island, Illinois. So <laughs> he's just driving there from Iowa, and he's like, I know how I'm going to build this computer. <laughs> Um, so the key ideas employed in the ABC were basically binary math and Boolean logic to solve up to 29 simultaneous linear equations, which is very impressive for those days' standards. Um, as like a computer, the ABC had no central processing unit, but it was designed as an electronic device using vacuum tubes. So that's kind of like, you know, the old school, like we always hear. Actually, the when people say, uh, my program has a bug, that was referring to the old days where vacuum tubes were used to compute, and sometimes they would find bugs in the vacuum tubes. Oh, I had no idea where that came <laughs> from. So it uses vacuum tubes for computation, but it also had a regenerative capacitor memory that operated by a process similar to that used in DRAM memory today. Um, George W. Snedekor the head of Iowa's state statistics department was very likely the first user of an electronic digital computer to solve real-world mathematics problems, and he submitted many of these problems to Atanasoff. So the the issue with this computer, though, is it was very specific in its function, and it didn't. You weren't able to program it. So all it did was solve differential equations, which are a kind of a pain to solve. 
and up to 29 of them simultaneously is very impressive. So this could solve any number of equations with up to 29 variables. But these types of equations like don't matter in a lot of fields. So this computer was like obviously used for statistics, but there were some other physics types problems it could be used for, but in general, it wasn't a highly applicable computer. And the, the, the computer itself actually didn't achieve any renown until a lawsuit about the rights to the patent came about in like the 60s. And then it kind of all his research came out and they were like, holy shit, this is actually a milestone in computer engineering. Like this is a big deal. So that's well, we, what I got to say. I, the one takeaway I have from all of that is are some, so, so some fields are indifferential about Differential equations. <laughs> Indifferent about differential equations. Yep. Um, also, I just want to point out, it all makes sense now why the community is no longer there. It all just went online. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that's a, a guy in history that I didn't know about, and I learned this episode. I'm like, that's pretty neat, you know, because computing goes really far back in time, but it's hard to know when, like, it actually happened. And, like, the first digital computer was 1939, and that's in the history books. And he, at one point, lived in this town that's no longer there. Yeah, they demolished everything, and so yeah. What a... Yeah, this one was interesting because there was minimal information, but a lot of things that we haven't talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, we haven't gone to a ghost town in a while, but also the fact that this place could literally be gone, like... Yeah. It's a town right now, but it might not be in the future. Wild. But you know what? Now it lives on in the memory of small town radio forever. We're preserving small towns. We are doing our part. We yeah. We're like, conservationists. You know We're basically heroes. Heroes. <laughs> All right, what's your one word ad plug for today, Connor? Night. Night. Oh, you're asking me a question about knights and the Canterbury Tales? Uh, <gasps> oh. All right, okay. I forget his story. It, was, it wasn't it was one of the, the raunchier ones. He was a noble person. And the narrator very much liked him. I don't hear any more you literature nerd shit anymore, okay? <laughs> I won't hear any more of your salsa. Actually, I love that story. I, I have many stories about pooping, so. <laughs> I didn't talk about pooping, Connor. I you said definitely just... alluded to it. I alluded to it. I said it would mess up my stomach in the morning. I didn't say just how badly. <laughs> <laughs> Was it um, a polk or more of a Picasso? Was it was the toilet? <laughs> it was a polk. It was a polk for sure. Uh, sorry sorry you guys uh we had a whole episode about well we did lose a lot of listeners i feel like after that episode that was entirely poop jokes i feel like that episode was like one thing we did so many poop jokes i was like all right i'm gonna chill i don't want to have any poop jokes for gotta be more regular gotta be more regular okay all right well uh today i'm sponsored by sweat very sweat, humid in the baby, northeast sweat. and i sweat all the time and i'm so uncomfortable and with that i would like to bring you ladies and gentlemen to the world famous segment 
which you may know is kept in the basement of Fort Knox, protected 24-7 by armed guards and America's finest servicemen and women. It has replaced the gold standard. It has replaced the gold standard. In fact, our currency is based on the submissions to, you know it, you love it, the Goblin Gallery. Now please give us a quiet round of applause from your living rooms for our first contestant, Connor Kafia Chain. Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Max. And I really appreciate it. Been a long time listener of this channel. K W R S T R. K K S T R. Sorry, I messed that up. I'm but trust me, I've listened a long time. Clearly. Thanks for calling in, Connor. Let's see let's hear what you got. Yeah, so um I'm glad you're having me on your show to for me to talk about my true mystery novel. After town, Colin. Brewster's Key to the Afterlife by Ghostwriter Name Redacted. This is a sample from the back of our paperback that we will be selling. In Florida, the penis of America, as claimed by Jack Donaghy and Tracy Jordan, <laughs> is a town called Brewster. Isn't that funny? It sure rhymes with rooster. <laughs> but what isn't ha-ha funny is mystery. In Brewster, some people tried to cover up the secrets of this once company town. But they messed up. They called it a ghost town. What fools! If you were trying to hide ghosts, why would you call it a ghost town? Idiots! The mystery and truth about the afterlife is around every corner of Brewster, and the details to delve into are plentiful. Now, I'm about to make some statements with rhetorical questions. Some may say heaven is a computer simulation. Is that why the inventor of the relatively lesser-known digital computer was raised in Brewster? Is that why he was here? Or is that a red herring? Or is the picture of a red herring on page 42 the real red herring? What about the bulldozed town? Does that mean the ghosts are gone? Are gone? Or is that just what they want us to think? Does the census count ghosts? Probably. All I can say so far is a swimming pool and the strong smell of Old Spice are the key to it all. Uncover the mystery and all the truths about the afterlife in Aftertown, colon, Brewster's Key to the Afterlife. I'd read it. Available no, at Barnes and Nobles, July 4th. Ooh, okay. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like that. It's a good idea. The back of a novel, it saves you from writing a whole story and just writing the trailer coming this summer to um, your library. See... I have the whole book. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to. I figured that would take too much time. And why would I read the whole book if I'm going to have people try and buy it? You know? True. I want. True. I buy the book. Buy it. I, I just had a great idea for an episode. I'll get to you afterward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, wonderful submission, Connor. Thank you for tuning in to KWSTR and uh, submitting your work to the Goblin Gallery. We're going to put that in a safe uh, under Fort Knox, and uh, we'll preserve it forever. 
Up next, we have yours truly, Maxim of Allen on Twitter, to read his Goblin Gallery submission. <coughs> What's up, KWST? <laughs> no, okay, so this week I have what I wrote is this is excerpts from the diary of a goblin who lives under Brewster. <laughs> under Brewster? Yeah. In the phosphate mines? Yeah, we're going to find out. <gasps> <clears throat> June 1909. I have finally I have finally found a place that I am happy to build my home under. It's so peaceful here. When I go above ground to explore, there are palm trees and birds everywhere. I can't wait to start my life here. February 1910. I noticed some humans building tents near my hole. I'm excited to have some neighbors around. I have all this peace and quiet and nobody to share it with. The months to come will surely be exciting. August 1910. I wish they would leave. They are digging day and night. My hole shakes constantly. I haven't slept in months. Why are they doing this? January 1914. Today was a little different. I met a young human boy who asked me to show him my slide rule. His name was John. Huge (laughs) fucking nerd. (laughs) March 1950. It's been a long time here in what is now called Brewster. The humans destroyed this place, but I have made peace with it. I made a killing on my phosphorus stocks. <laughs> December 1962. Where did everybody go? I think I might have just had the best sleep of my life. And then he woke up after eating a bunch of salsa. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh. June 2020. They gave my town a shout out on Small Town Radio Podcast. (laughs) I'm such a fan. Can't wait to go to Goblin Fest later this year. (laughs) Okay, so that's what I got. It was a short one, but... I like how you plugged Port Hope unintentionally. How did I do that? That's where Goblin Fest is, right? That was the last go. That's one of... Goblin Fest is... The Goblin Fest, the real life Goblin Fest, hasn't happened yet, but it will. I'm still, I'm still holding true to this. On the one year anniversary of the podcast, we're throwing a house party. I don't care if coronavirus still exists. Okay, we're gonna rage and we're gonna make T-shirts and chill. I um, you know, safety. We'll, we'll find a way. God, you're such a narc. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like on this pad, this podcast with my running jokes, people think of me as the bad boy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know what our, I think our dynamic is like, I wouldn't think of you as the bad boy. You're like, the, <laughs> you like simultaneously play the straight man and like goofy dad in the same like I think improv is- type. Like <laughs> uh, the goofy dad. Goofy a, dad, those are yeah. good movies, the goofy movies. Oh, an extremely goofy movie was my favorite. Hey, Loved I it. oh, I do love that movie. Oh, absolutely. Extreme goofy movie. Have you seen that one? When they roller when they have to like X game type yeah, that's style. Yeah, that's the extremely goofy movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So good. My favorite. I thought college was going to be like that and then when I got out of college and watched it again on Disney Plus, the scene where they go to the open mic and the girl that's like super hot is like doing the poetry and snapping her fingers. And I was like, oh no, this is exactly what freshman year of comedy was like. <laughs> um, I have an idea. I know we're wrapping up the show, but because we're recording on two different 
tapes right now while we're recording separately. What mm-hmm. if after our plugs, I played you my stripping song, you take it out, and we just hear your reaction to it? <laughs> okay, okay, fine. I don't, so, don't want to... I'm like, at this point, I'm like preserving myself. I'm like, okay, that's one more minute I have to clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, so let's finish let's up with our plugs, plugs. And if it doesn't work, you know, doesn't work. What's, what are the, so the plugs... Okay, might- follow us at ST Radio Pod. Email us at smalltownradiopodcast at gmail.com. Send in photos, town suggestions, any type of media. We love our fan mail. And we haven't talked to our mailman, Sam, in a while because we haven't gotten too much. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Maxim of Allen, And you can follow my photography account, uh, Lightbender, on Instagram as well, which is L-G-H-T-B-N-D-R, Lightbender with no vo- vowels. My name is The Knight from the Canterbury Tales. You can find me on Instagram at Connor underscore Kfiechen. If you don't know how to spell it, uh, good luck trying. You can find me on YouTube if you are, especially if you're looking to have your own podcast. Um, I'm trying to put stuff out there that helps people starting their own podcast. It's called Podcasting with Connor. And if you're interested, Maxim, here is the song that I would strip to. And I hope this is loud enough for you to hear. Oh, this is an ad. Wait, wait. First, let's say goodbye. Oh, sure. Let me pause this. Okay. Well, uh... Okay, well, that's our show for tonight, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We love you. Uh, Bye. Bye. Uh, long story short, Connor's, Connor's stripping song is terrible.